So in 2 Corinthians, Paul discusses with the church in Corinth this idea of reconciliation to God. Starting at verse 20, he says, So we are ambassadors for Christ. Since God is making his appeal through us, we entreat you on behalf of Christ, be reconciled to God. For our sake he made him to be sin who knew no sin, so that in him we might become the righteousness of God. As I was uh, reading the epistle out of 2 Corinthians to prepare this message, it occurred to me that in those two short sentences, there is a whole sermon series that could be preached. Our purpose here in this night, which is a little more solemn than a Sunday morning service. Our purpose as we move from this night into the Lenten season once again is to reflect on the meaning of those words that Paul has written to the church in Corinth. The meaning of those words in our individual circumstances. See, this is my second Lenten season with you as your pastor. Time has flown by. Which means that as Easter comes and goes and we begin another year of what we call ordinary time, we'll be starting our third year together in ministry. It occurred to me that we have been working together, you and I, both in Sunday morning worship and in the Wednesday night Bible study time, We have been working to build those ambassadors for Christ that Paul is talking about in this passage of Scripture. And during the Lenten season, we pause just long enough to reflect on Jesus' sacrifice, what it means to us, and our relationship to Him. And we take stock of our spiritual health. Where we stand with God. And in order to do that, we often have to go back to the very basics of our faith. And we examine just exactly what it is that Jesus did for us on the cross. Paul says here in verse 21, For our sake... He made him to be sin who knew no sin so that in him we might become the righteousness of God. Well, the first thing that jumps off that page to me is that Paul makes it clear that Jesus did what he did on the cross for us. For our sake, it says, which must have meant that we had a problem. We had a big problem problem, a big insurmountable problem called sin. Sin is not something that we like to discuss much. 
especially outside these walls, and almost never in some churches. Yet it's the reason that Jesus came was because we had a sin problem that we could not get over on our own. Sin was an obstacle, a wall, a grand chasm that separated us from a completely holy and just God. There's no way for us to get over this sin obstacle on our own. It was far too wide a gap between sinful humanity and perfect God. And so Paul tells us that God made Jesus to be sin. What does that mean exactly? Well, I can tell you for starters what it doesn't mean. It doesn't mean that Jesus was simply a sin offering. Like, like an animal sacrifice offered for the temporary relief of the guilt of an offense. Like you might sacrifice a goat because you had committed some sin and the sacrifice of the goat would make it go away until you sinned again and then you would need another sacrifice. No, Paul's words here tell us that Jesus became sin. That is, He took on Himself all of the sin of the world, past, present, and future, completely canceling the sin debt for humanity for all time. Why did He do that? Well, He did it so that we might become the righteousness of God, Paul tells us. Not just made righteous, but that we would be totally transformed into righteousness. Totally transformed into the perfectly holy and justified righteousness of God. So that we could be with God who could not accept anything less than total perfection. Jesus, who was God, who was sinless, who was righteousness, exchanged all of that for our sinfulness and in return gave us His righteousness. And trust me, we got the better end of that deal. So what does this mean for us? Well, since the cost of sin is always death, since the price for sin is always separation from God for all eternity, the fact that Jesus took all of that upon Himself and gave us His righteousness means that through Him we now have life and not just this life, but an eternal life with Him and the Father and the Holy Spirit. Do you see that picture in your mind's eye? Do you see that because of Jesus, you now have eternal life with Him in your future? And we, we call that future hope. Not hope like I hope I win the lottery, but hope as in certainty, surety. It's a guarantee. So what do we do with that? 
Now that we have an understanding about what Jesus did for us, what do we do with it? And that's really the question. What do we do with this Jesus thing? Paul says in 2 Corinthians 6, As we work together with Him, we urge you also not to accept the grace of God in vain. Not to accept the grace of God in vain, for he says, at an acceptable time, I have listened to you. And on a day of salvation, I have helped you. In other words, I was there for you when you cried out to be saved. And then Paul says, see, now is the acceptable time. Now is the day of salvation. We are putting no obstacle in anyone's way so that no fault may be found with our ministry, but as servants of God we have commended ourselves in every way through great endurance in afflictions, hardships, calamities, beatings, imprisonments, riots, labors, sleepless nights, hunger. And how did we do that? Paul says. We did it by purity. We did it by knowledge. We did it by patience, kindness, holiness of spirit, genuine love, truthful speech, and the power of God. With the weapons of righteousness in our right hand and our left. In honor and dishonor, in ill repute and good repute, we are treated as imposters and yet we're true. We're treated as unknown and yet are well known. As dying and see we are alive. As punished and yet not killed. As sorrowful yet always rejoicing. Poor yet making many rich. As having nothing and yet possessing everything. Paul sure knows how to write then. Beginning tonight, with the imposition of ashes, we reflect not only on the meaning of Jesus' journey to the cross, but also on our own journey to be reconciled back to God through Him and what He did on that cross. And Paul tells us to be careful not to squander not even one little bit of this marvelous life that God has given us. Have you ever felt like you squander time? There's something to reflect on for Lent. Do I waste precious time in this marvelous life that God has given me? God reminds us, I heard your call in the nick of time. The day you needed me, I was there to help. And now is the right time to listen. The day to be helped. Don't put it off. Don't frustrate God's work by showing up late, throwing a question mark over everything that we're doing in our ministry here at Countryside. Our work as God's servants gets validated or not in the details. 
And Paul says, people are watching us as we stay at our post alertly and unswervingly. They watch us in hard times, tough times, bad times, when we're beaten up, when we're jailed and mobbed, when we're working hard, working late, working without eating, with pure heart, clear head, steady hand, in gentleness, holiness, and honest love, when we're telling the truth and when God's showing His power, when we're doing our best setting things right, when we're praised and when we're blamed, slandered and honored, true to our word, though distrusted, ignored by the world but recognized by God, terrifically alive, though rumored to be dead, beaten within an inch of our lives but refusing to die, immersed in tears yet always filled with deep abiding joy, living on handouts yet enriching many lives, having nothing and having it all. What a crazy mixed up life we lead as Christians, don't we? The world doesn't understand us. They didn't understand him. How can they possibly understand us? Unless we tell them. So this Lenten season, we have an opportunity to examine ourselves, to look deeply into ourselves and evaluate what path we are on. Are we living our lives in a way that is God-honoring and Christ-like, or are we living our lives in some other way? You know, it's a long-standing tradition in Christianity to give up something for Lent. People tend to look at their list of likes and they elect to give up one of those likes for Lent. Maybe I'll give up red meat. Maybe I'll give up sweets, cake, cookies, Cokes. Or they'll look at their bad habits, their unhealthy habits, and decide that they'll give up at least one bad habit for Lent. Maybe I'll stop smoking. Maybe I'll stop drinking. Maybe, see, all of those things are fine and good. But I think when we do that, when we, when we relegate the Lenten season to just giving something up, we kind of miss the point, really. Jesus didn't die a horrible death on a cross. God didn't give his only begotten son so that we would stop putting sugar or carcinogens into our body. Or so that we could feel like we are being sacrificial by giving up our daily latte at Starbucks. Jesus died on the cross so that we could be reconciled to God. He rose from the dead so that we could share in his resurrection through him. As Paul says in the scripture, Jesus was there for us when we needed him on the day of our salvation. He was there. We called and he answered. And are we acting this Lenten season in any way that shows that we are appreciative? 
Are we working on our understanding of Him and who we are in our relationship to Him? Are we working every day, working out our salvation, working out our sanctification so that each and every day we get one step closer to being like Him and becoming worthy of the sacrifice that He made for us? Instead of giving something up, why don't we do something of real and lasting kingdom value? For instance, if you were to give up your trip to Starbucks and use that money to feed a homeless person a hot meal, that would have eternal value. If you were to give up your television time and devote that time to prayer or to giving your undivided attention to a family member or a friend, that would have eternal value. If you were to spend the time or resources you would normally spend on whatever it is that you like to do, not all the time, but some of the time, spend some of those resources on giving back to family, to church, to the community. Then you would have really made an impact for the advancement of the kingdom. Paul says that people are watching us as we stand our posts. To see how we do. To see what we do. To see if there's anything at all to this Christianity thing. To see if we are genuine or if we are nothing but mist and vapor. Nothing but smoke and mirrors. All hat and no cattle. So... I would encourage you, spend this Lenten season aligning your heart and your mind with the heart and mind of Christ. And don't forget that you are an ambassador for Christ. Since God is making His appeal through you, Paul says, I entreat you on behalf of Christ to be reconciled to God for our sake. He made him, Jesus, to be sin. Jesus, who knew no sin, was blameless. He made him to be sin so that in Jesus we might become, actually be, the righteousness of God. If that doesn't make the hair stand up on your arm, that through Jesus Christ you have the ability to be the righteousness of God. Not because you've earned it, but because He earned it for you. And then gave it to you freely. In the name of the Father, and the Son, and the Holy Spirit.